Hello, everyone. My name is Paz Gomez. I am a researcher and editor in Impunity Observer. And today we are uh, presenting our monthly live stream where we discuss the state of the rule of law in Latin America. Today we are going to talk about Colombia after one month and a half since Gustavo Petro took office in this country. First, we are going to examine the impunity of server coverage on the topic, and then we are going to invite Alejandra Moreno, a Colombian freedom and progress advocate, to learn more of what is occurring in this moment. So, for this, I am going to present Maura Echeverria, who is a political scientist and researcher for the impunity of server. Welcome, Maura. Hi, Paz. Well, so the... Impunity Observer have, has been covering Colombia since quite some ago, but we are going to focus in the coverage that we have done since Gustavo Petro won the presidential elections, what was occurring before uh, he took office, especially regarding financial markets, and then what happened after he took office, especially regarding foreign policy and, his, and the Colombian relationships uh, with uh, Venezuela, and even with some other rogue nations that could be worrisome for the region. So uh, please, Mara, feel free to tell us more about what is this coverage about. Uh, sure, Paz, I'm glad to do so. Regarding foreign policy, Colombia has shifted towards cooperating with authoritarian and mostly leftist regimes. Uh, we can see new approaches to Iran, uh, new approaches also to uh, Venezuela, uh, which is historic because Colombia is gonna, it has restored relations for the first time since 2019, uh, when the Duke administration and the, and the, and Maduro's dictatorship had an impasse. So it's historic. In fact, today the border is reopening. Uh, so new people and trucks and drivers will be able now to pass from Colombia to Venezuela and vice versa. So it's, it's kind of an, an important deal. And we can see that this approach has also, will also affect probably security inside Colombia and also inside uh, the region. We can see that a lot of new approaches to not, not only to Iran, which is accused of Iran is accused of sh uh, sheltering and financing global terrorism, but also to Russia and uh, Venezuela, as I already said, and also Nicaragua, Cuba. So they're taking a, a bigger role in Colombia's foreign policy. For instance, Cuba will be hosting the new peace talks uh, between the Colombian government and terrorist groups. So these authoritarian re regimes are taking a lot of importance in Colombia's foreign policy, which is kind of opposite to the way that uh, Duque has uh, had taken uh, diplomatic relations. Uh, regarding um, the markets, we can see that since Petro took office a month and a half ago, the markets had a pessimistic view and it kind of reflected that badly in, on Colombia. But now, I mean, it's kind of gone steady since for this month and a half hasn't dropped like dramatically or anything, but there's still not very optimistic views of uh, Colombia's new government. 
Thank you, Mauro. And, and yes, as, as you said, well, basically, Colombia has a, a history uh, of the diplomatic relations, especially with the United States, and this idea of promoting the rule of law, the property protection, and things like that. So, of course, this caused some uh, concern in the region, and also regarding the topics that we cover here at Impunity Observer. So, well, to... Uh, I would like to also ask you if you have something to add regarding um, the updates that have been deployed in Colombia after we have released this coverage. There are something, some events probably that you would like to add uh, regarding these topics? Yeah, sure. A couple of weeks ago, uh, the Petro administration, members of the Petro administration, they had said that they wanted to uh, host a meeting between Petro and Nicolás Maduro, Venezuela's dictator. And they said, uh, the Minister of Transportation, five days ago, said that they were supposed to meet today in the opening of uh, the Venezuelan -Colum and Colombian border. However, Petro, uh, in an interview in the United States, stated that there was no meeting planned for today and Maduro didn't confirm also any meeting today. So we're waiting to see if they're going to meet finally today or we will have to wait a longer period of time. But the Venezuela, the Colombian ambassador to Venezuela uh, has already stated multiple times that uh, Petro and Maduro will meet sometime soon, I mean, eventually. So that's an important aspect. And it's kind of historical because the uh, presidents, the Colombian and the Venezuelan heads of state haven't met in years. So it's something new. Then we can see also that the, um, the Maduro administration, uh, I mean, dictatorship will be the guarantors or the observers of the new peace process between the government and guerrillas in, in Colombia. And as I said, the, these processes will be held in, in Cuba. Thank you. There is also, of course, cooperation between Colombia and the United States. This has not ended. And we can see that uh, by a donation that the United States did earlier this month to, to Colombia of some helicopters to continue fighting illegal, illicit activities, especially in the Amazonic part of the country. So, uh, of course, my, the Petro administration is still uh, beginning. And what we want to explore today is basically what uh, what is the orientation that we can perceive that the, that the Petro administration is taking for, uh, in, for the one part. And the other part, we want to know, of course, how the Colombian people, the Colombian uh, firms, and also the civil society is perceiving about this new administration and this kind of pivot in the ideological ruling of the country. So that is why we have invited Alejandra Moreno. I had the pleasure to meet Alejandra Moreno by social media uh, because uh, we both are part of the Ladies of Liberty Alliance uh, group. She is, I'm going to present her, and she is a chemical engineer and data analyst by profession and political activist, uh, as I mentioned, in the Ladies of Liberty Alliance, Lola, the chapter uh, leader in Medellin. Alejandra promotes progress and freedom through her daily activities. Welcome, Alejandra. For today, we want to first ask you about your broad perception regarding the Petro administration in Colombia and how can this impact the country? 
Thank you for inviting me. Well, uh, as I was mentioned, um, the Petrov government and presidential uh, proposals are orientated to big reforms in the country, uh, especially um, taxation reform, uh, pensional reform, uh, health system reform, energy generation in the country reform. Those are the reforms he's proposing right now. Some of them are really neat, but the problem of the concern of the, some part of the Colombian population is the orientation of those reforms and how are those reforms lead to have uh, good benefits in the present, but maybe critical uh, results in the future and affecting negatively Colombian populations in the medium and long term. So uh, these are mainly the concerns uh, in the Colombian population. Uh, actually, today, 26th of September, we're having some march protests in the whole country uh, asking the Petro government to basically uh, have a more moderated plan for his uh, presidency. Yeah, and... I, what I saw about this new demonstration is that they are basically uh, also requesting not to increase the taxes, right, in this uh, huge tax reform that he wants. And that was the reason why uh, Duque faced uh, huge blockades and uh, riots during his tenure. So um, do you think that this tax reform would uh, go on or that there is already some kind of counter-proposal to, of course, how this, because if not, we, the country is going to get again in riots, economic loss because of that, and destabilization. Well, I think Petro is going to have the cap uh, political capital to approve this uh, uh, this reform because he's just one month, one month and a half in power. He's going to use all his political capital to approve this reform. Also, there's uh, some voices in private sector, not the traditional one, mainly the technological private sector that it's each day rising and rising in Colombia. And these companies, entrepreneurs, are asking the government to re-study or like consider some of the points in the in this uh, taxation reform because it's going to affect the way some entrepreneurs can have extra capital for the, these ideas. So these voices are not coming from the political sector, are more from the private sector. And also the way the this reform is going to tax the tourism and hotels, the taxation is going to increase from 6% to 36%. So those things are mainly discussed in the private sector because it's going to affect the companies and the way the companies develop their businesses. However, I consider that Petro is going to have the capital, uh, political capital in the Congress to approve this uh, reform. Thank you, Alejandra. And regarding this political capital, could you please share with us a little bit more about who is supporting uh, Petro in the in Congress and what uh, political actors, for instance, have uh, supported uh, the region, uh, his um, candidacy and everything since the beginning? And yeah, how this could unfold you know, on time? Well, he has the, the completely support of his party, Pacto Histórico is the name. Uh, also, Partido Liberal, Partido Conservador, they joined lately uh, to support, to be part of his government. So that gives to Petro 
not just like national capi political uh, capital, but also local uh, political capital. So all these congress are approving the reforms. Um, some other congresses are mainly asking the government to make some crucial changes uh, in some articles and the way uh, they're going to tax the private people. That's basically his political capital. You also mentioned other uh, huge reforms. For instance, we have this agriculture um, or land reform for one side, and, and also we have this energy reform. So I would like to ask you two questions regarding this. The first one, regarding the agriculture land uh, reform, how do you foresee that uh, if there is some kind of impact regarding private property protection in this place? And how do you foresee that this reform could um, affect or support the development of the economy in the country? Yes, uh, well, the agriculture reform that Petro is proposing, he is arguing that it's needed because the peace agreements that were signed by the government of Juan Manuel Santos in 2016. So one of the points, the first point of this peace agreement was um, making an agricultural reform, which basically means giving a land to some part of the population that don't have access to this land. So what Petro is proposing, it's buying a land to the owners of the land and he wants to buy the land to at the market price, no? But uh, when we see how this will affect the private property is that these owners don't have choice. They have to sell or sell, you know, because it's all the power of the government is asking them they have to sell the land so in this aspect uh like technically legally uh they're uh, protecting the private property but uh mm -hmm. if we see it in more in another way that is not legal more in if it's correct well the these owners of the land have no choice they have to sell if the government arrives to uh, to their lands. Also, one of the uh, ways that Petro has mentioned how he's going to pay to the owners of this land is uh, uh, basically asking for debt. So they're going to give some part of the debt to the owner. So they're not going to give the cash to the land. They're not going to pay immediately to the owners. They're going to give, uh, give them some bonus so they can have this uh, money in some years, not immediately. So yeah, there we see some some concerns regarding uh, what could happen on private property and also economic development, like free markets, right, and economic freedom for the agriculture, the agriculture industry. And the other question regarding energy um, reform uh, is, what do you perceive uh, in general about this reform? And the other thing is that we have already seen some kinds of some kind of contradictions there. Because in the coverage, for instance, that we did with Impunity Observer, we mentioned that uh, the Petro administration has already been talking about buying a natural gas to Venezuela because the reserve would end in seven years. There is also some, uh, I guess, that some intention regarding oil. But the idea of Petro and what Petro has been announcing has been to have this green transition. So this is kind of contradictory, and uh, of course leads to the leads to the question of of if he is actually going to do this transition first. Second, 
how these and the other announcements relate? And third, what is your general perception regarding the transition? Yes, well, uh, this transition, transition that Petro is proposing is basically that Colombia uh, changed his old generation metrics of the energy production to decrease the amount of carbon dioxide that we produce. But Colombia just produced 0.4% of the whole carbon dioxide that it's produced in the world. So it's not a, like it's not an urgent uh, reform, at least not for Colombia. Also, Colombia is the fourth country number four in the generation electricity that it's the most clean. So as uh, 82% of our matrix of generation of first of energy that is consuming houses and for first uh, consuming it's uh, coming from renewable energies so it's not something that Colombia needs right now but it's part of his political agenda also uh, respecting to his uh, desire to import energy uh, gas natural gas from Venezuela um, well is because he wants to stop the exploration of natural gas in Colombia it's just the reserves of natural gas today are until we have natural gas in Colombia until seven years if we stop doing researches but uh, it doesn't mean that we are ready to do research in the whole national territory. Uh, that's just what we know right now. But in the future, if we continue doing some research in Bichada, which is a department close to Venezuela, in the Venezuelan border, in Puto Mayo, um, there's the possibility we find more reserves. So um, it's just that he wants to import natural gas from Venezuela. And uh, for doing that, we need to construct the pipelines to bring the natural gas and um, what Petro is proposing is that PDVSA which is the petroleum company the national petroleum company from Venezuela construct all the pipeline but uh, is PDVSA able to construct that uh, does uh, it have the money to do it well we don't know and we cannot leave our energy independence on a country that cannot guarantee they're going to be a they're not a loyal supplier we cannot trust on venezuela uh, to pr uh, supply energy to colombia and uh, that's the second part and uh, can you please remember me that third, the third question well the third question was generally and you think that you i, I think that you mainly has answered uh, regarding the perception reg uh, of this energy transition uh, yeah. because I guess that sometimes governments, we have seen this trend around the world, governments are using energy transition to uh, leverage their campaigns, gain votes, and of course, they don't actually implement them immediately because it's not that easy to say, uh, oh, just uh, leave fossil fuels and change it uh, by, uh, right away. Well, I consider that, of course, there's a part of the population in Colombia that wants to to do this energy transition and just have renewable energies, conventional and non-conventional renewable energies. And these voices are being uh, listened by uh, Gustavo Petro. Now, Gustavo Petro is one of the leaders of this kind of project in Colombia. So, of course, there's a part of the population that believes this the, the route we should follow. However, 60% of the currency, foreigner currency, depends on this uh, exportation so we cannot just change our whole political or whole energy uh, production without having a backup plan that uh, it's working um, like what 
some part of the population consider is that we should use this money to implement the energy transition, but not cut the money without having another plan. Okay, and I would also like to um, ask you the something that I guess that is a popular concern, and it's regarding the peso, the peso devaluation and the inflation of the Colombian economy. How do you foresee that this is going to uh, go and unfold uh, during the next months and year? And what is actually the people, um, the Colombians, doing to safeguard from a potential um, devaluation and inflation? Well, the inflation, it's uh, rising uh, due to the COVID crisis that we have and also the devaluation. Um, it's, of course, in place to the fact that uh, Colombian people uh, don't feel, don't trust completely in Gustavo Petro uh, government. But it doesn't mean explicit that right now uh, millions of Colombia are taking money out of the country. That's not proven like there's some rumors that some people are, is taking money out but it's not some data that tell us how much people is taking money out of the country of course it's happening but we cannot measure it right now what uh, some of the people who is like middle high class high class they take some part of the money they go to miami or they go to panama and they put they open some bank accounts they save um dollars so that's the way they can protect themselves from devaluation for the other people like in colombia we don't have the tradition to like argentinians to buy dollars and save dollars or we don't have that tradition because mainly it hasn't been needed that much no so colombian people is just literally facing the devaluation by not having the buying po power that they used to have before or even in to that they used to have some years ago, 2016, 2014. Um, so that's basically what, what is happening right now. Thank you. And well, I would like to uh, give the, the chance tomorrow to ask you a couple of questions also related to foreign policy regarding that, uh, regarding his investigation and also, uh, well, some other uh, concerns that rise up, that rise for us in these uh, one month of Petro's administration. Okay, thank you. What is concerning a lot is a soaring Iranian presence in the region. Uh, lately, we have seen that. Lately, we have seen that Iran is present, has been present over the last year in countries like Paraguay, um, Ecuador. Uruguay denied uh, uh, the Iranian presence in in the country, but we can see a growing presence of Iran in the region and it is kind of worrying because of what Iran represents. Iran represents um, Hezbollah uh, and other terrorist groups across the region and we got we, we can see that for instance um, we had the uh, the terrorist attack to the Israeli Association in in Argentina a couple of decades ago but uh, we have seen that Uh, and, and Colombian cooperation with Venezuela and Iran can represent even more uh, presence of Iran and these groups in the region. So it's really worrying to have that presence and, and that those alliances and those allies when you can also see also, when you can also see a presence from Russia in the, in the, in the, in the region and, and it's also growing. So it's kind of worrying in terms of security, but also in terms of 
I mean, of international security, but also in terms of security in Colombia, because we can see that the Venezuelan dictatorship has sponsored and has given national identity cards to, I mean, to these groups, these local guerrillas like the ELN or FARC dissidents, so they can move across the borders and law enforcement agents find it more difficult to law enforcement agents find it more difficult to like catch or try to persecute uh, these guerrillas. And we can see that cooperation between those groups could also affect, but there's also, uh, there's a huge debate whether a cooperation will now give more power to law enforcement agents in, I mean, at least in the border between Colombia and Venezuela. Or will it make it easier for these groups, these guerrillas, to move across borders, which makes it really unsafe for both Colombia, Venezuela, and the entire region? Yeah. So uh, basically, I guess the 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 idea would be to um, connect this with the potential of Iranian and other rogue nations' presence um, in the country, uh, the increase of these presence, and what is going on with the foreign policy in um, in Colombia. Have you seen some kind of pivot there and uh, some kind of threats regarding uh, the change of diplomatic relations? Well, the change has uh, mainly, like the big coverage in media, has been related to the fact that Colombia didn't declare that Nicaragua was a dictatorship, uh, not uh, respecting human rights. Uh, that has been the main topic, respecting to to the foreigner affairs or foreigner relations. Also, well, it's as Mauricio said and Mauro, the presence of Iran in the region and in the country is controversial, especially because Gustavo Petro has promoted a feminist agenda to be elected. And well, right now we have massive protests against the Iran theocracy because they don't respect uh, women rights no so that's a uh, controversial and it's concern about the uh, Gustavo Petro government and his agenda respect to foreign art, foreign um, affairs well thank you Alejandra it's it has been a pleasure to have you in this round table and uh I would like to just ask you to if you would like to close with general thought about what we have been talking or what would be the the next months or future of Colombia uh, during Petro's tenure. Uh, yeah, well, thank you for having me. I consider that Gustavo Petro is just starting his government. There's some aspects, like big ones, unfortunately, that um, are concerned massively the Colombian population and investors all around the world. But there's also some good uh, points that he's promoting in his agenda, like reducing subsidizes for gasoline and for some other subsidizes that we have in Colombia. So that's uh, in the correct direction. Also, his uh, political uh, um, discourse and speech about the wars against drugs. So I consider those are good points in the Colombian government. And well, we still have to have an eyes closed to his agenda. Thanks so much. And sure, we need to continue looking how the, the politics um, unfold in, in the Colombian government. And what are the next decisions and next actions that take uh, into account? We hope that everything goes uh, in favor of the rule of law. 
and that we can see that Colombia continues thriving and it has as it has been during um, the, the last the latest decades. So thank you for watching us in this video and please do not forget to subscribe to the to our YouTube channel and follow us on the social media, especially Twitter and LinkedIn. Uh, we are as Impunity Observer on LinkedIn and on Twitter we are as at Observe Impunity. Thanks so much, Alejandro, for having us uh, here today. Mara, also, uh, thanks. And we would like to continue talking in next times.